Lindsay Forbes. And I'm Sarah Cuvion. And welcome to Let the Good Crimes Roll. My husband's company, he works for the Christensen Building Group. They had a huge project going on around Christmas time. And so we had their Christmas party at the Hilton downtown last night. I was wondering what delayed them. Yeah. Okay. They had a big project and like, so they're based out of Houston Mm -hmm. and, but they have like an office here and they don't have a ton of employees here as their home base. And so, I mean, basically the majority of, them wouldn't have been able to come until they finished this project. I think it was in Exxon or so. Derek Mm -hmm. wasn't on this project, but a lot of the people wouldn't have been able to come. So Mm -hmm. they decided to do it tonight. So we are in just the midst of Mardi Gras here. Mm -hmm. And just a little background about Mardi Gras down here. This is primarily a Catholic culture down here. And so, you know, you've got is what is Monday? Is Monday considered a Monday is Lundy Gras. Lundy Gras. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you got Fat Tuesday and then you have Ash Wednesday. Yeah. So Mardi Gras down here is basically for everyone to party. Yeah, it's like the last hurrah before for Lent, which right. is the 40 days leading up to Easter. You sacrifice you sa- something. Yeah, yeah. You fast. It's, you know. It's a hot mess. It, it's it's fun. It is. So <laughs> Saturday, the big, and this is probably the biggest parade in Baton Rouge, just the Spanish Town Parade. Mm-hmm. And the streets just get completely trashed. Oh, absolutely. I was at Spanish yeah. Town yesterday. And for one, we had a blast, but... Mm-hmm. We there were people parked alongside the interstate. We saw that, you know, like on the Capitol curves and stuff. Yeah, like, which is not the safest place in the world. No, because you could literally get hit very easily. And I don't know, I don't know where from where they parked their cars, walking up a hill, hopping a fence. I'm not entirely sure well, where if you they walk. Got- if you get off right there at Capitol Access, it takes you straight up to Spanish Town. Well, yeah, and that's what I did. But there were people that were literally parked on the curves of Capitol Access. Oh, on um, the actual interstate because that's. That might be a little haul, like you said, unless you jump some ramp, which they might have. I don't know. Look, look, more power to them, but there was no way. I had a giant wagon multiple kids and yeah multiple people so well it was really interesting because Derek's boss not not his immediate boss like the guy who owns this like multi-million dollar company one of the most he's like my age he's like our age oh. he's like one of the coolest most laid-back guys and then is his he wife single? oh he is okay. not no one but <laughs> you would love his wife his wife's originally from Argentina oh wow she's so cool and she is like I don't know how she remembers people but like last year and this year like she makes a point to walk up to everybody and say how are your kids doing Oh, um, wow. Because she's a Spanish speaker, you know, she goes and, and she speaks Spanish to the, you know, the, the Spanish speaking workers, mm-hmm. which is just, I mean, she's just such a, oh, she, top of it, she was like a model. Mm-hmm. So she's like statuesque. I yeah. mean, just stunningly gorgeous, bilingual, genuinely nice person. So they come into town. They have no clue what Mardi Gras is. They have a slight oh. clue, but. Oh, dear. Yeah, and that's what she's like, oh, it it kind of looks like New Orleans. And I'm like, no, it normally doesn't. We got an Uber. They Mm -hmm. came and picked us up because these parties are known for getting a little crazy. Yeah. The Uber brought us downtown, dropped us off at the Hilton. And I was just like the whole time downtown, you hear crunch, crunch, crunch over all All of the the beads. beads. Yeah. And it was just a hot mess. And I'm like, y'all, it is not normally. Y'all just picked the craziest day to come to downtown yeah. Baton Rouge. There are people walking around half naked. Wait, so were they staying? Were they staying at the Hilton? Dur- but during the day? No. Like, well, they okay. flew in like in the evening time. Okay, so they missed Spanish Town. Yeah, they were told, oh, there was a parade today, but they were just surprised at how much stuff was down there. And there were still events going on Mm -hmm. downtown. Oh, yeah. It's it's big business 
for downtown Baton Rouge. Yes. The Spanish Town Parade. And people so. are dressed up just insane. insane. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. And, and you're kind of confused because you're like, is that like a seven foot tall man wearing pink heels? Yes. Yes, it is. It was. Yeah. Are yeah there was a you- whole float of drag queens. Yeah. Fantastic makeup. Oh, well, of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going like to like a like you're going up and, and there's someone just standing there and they're just swaying back and forth mm-hmm. because they are so drunk. Oh, gosh. Um, yes. But yeah, so we get down there. We go to the party and it's in like a ballroom in the Hilton. It overlooks the river. You know, I'm just like, we're either going to see a beautiful view or we're going to see someone get murdered. One mm-hmm. or the other. Being it's, a it's a toss up. I know. Up. It's exciting either way. <laughs> you know, it can go either way. So the night progresses. It's an open bar. The food is amazing. Do they know what it's like down here when if they do well, an open we bar? All, we were all just secluded in this oh little ballroom. <laughs> um, we had the wobble blaring, you mm-hmm. know, just things are going great. So the guy who owns it, he has this really pretty personal assistant. I don't She is super... Super sweet. She is so nice, down to earth. And one of my husband's coworkers, Uh-oh. who we'll just say this because I'm not going to shame anyone about what they wear. But you know, like he comes and he's already shammered and he's just not wearing a tire that's befitting a very, you know, and they specifically mm-hmm. say nice outfit. Yeah. So that's one thing. But so we're all dancing. We're having a good time. And out of my peripheral view, I just see him make a make an arm gesture. And I'm like, what is happening? Y'all, he walked up to the personal assistant who was married Uh-oh. and slapped her on the ass. <gasps> oh, no. They just had their sexual um, harassment training Did three days ago. Did he miss it? <laughs> oh, no. He got it. He got it. It was in front of the owner of the company. Oh, yeah. My and so gosh. the owner, who is a complete gentleman, mm-hmm. you know, the personal assistant, she told us that she's 43. So she's not like, like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, mm-hmm. but still, she was very uncomfortable by it. She's married with four kids. She's like, if my husband had been here, there would have been a fight breakout. Mm-hmm. So he goes up to him and he just talks to him. He's like, look, knock that off. Don't do that again. So he goes back up to her and apologizes. Okay, so a slow song starts to come on. Mm-hmm. We all kind of make our way out to the dance floor. Her husband's not there. This fool walks up to her and tries to dance with her. Oh, dear. After he Read just the room. made her uncomfortable. So she like turns and dances with me and Derek. And Derek, who is also shammered at this point, he's like, I don't know where to put my hand. <laughs> <laughs> like He whispers it to me. And I'm like, I'm like... <laughs> Just leave it like on your side. (laughs) Just don't make any sudden movements towards her her boobs or her butt. (laughs) I just don't know what to do. Um, because like they even had a claw machine that had alcohol, and it was free. It was free. Wow. So the night progresses, and uh, and everyone's drunk, including yours truly. You know, I needed a night out. I hadn't gotten you know their margaritas had top Mm -hmm. shelf tequila. There are some, <laughs> this is so funny. There are some, some workers there. I think um, Damien's from, originally from Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, Oscar is from Mexico. And then I didn't catch Damien's girlfriend's name, but she's from Colombia. She could barely walk. Whoa. The owner's wife, and then forgive me, I, I don't remember her. I don't remember any people's names. She's like, oh, they put on like this Spanish speaking song that's popular in South America. <laughs> and she goes and grabs Damien's wife who can barely walk. Oh, no. And drags her to the dance floor. And this poor woman <laughs> is doing everything to stay in an upright <laughs> vertical <laughs> position. I'm talking. She's in heels. And she's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I th- and his wife is intelligent enough to pick up like, man, she cannot stand up. So she yeah. kind of walks her back to her seat. And then later in the evening when we're all leaving, Damien went to the bathroom and he is so cute, by the way. Mm. If he was single, I would. <laughs> he is so handsome. He goes to the bathroom and he comes back and he's like, where's my girlfriend? Oh, girl, she is sitting with the owner's wife. Like her eye, her mascara is all oh, down her face. Oh, no. Just bad. I yeah. can't drink like that anymore. I can't either. That's why we're recording so late. <laughs> and then I we go. Can't. We go and they're like, look, can you go in the bathroom? Because we think Miss from Columbia is in there. And I'm like, okay. And I go in there. I'm like, hola, como esta? <laughs> and she's like, no estoy bien. No. <laughs> she's in there throwing up. Oh, no. And I'm like... <laughs> Necesita me ayuda. You know, trying to practice my uh, with Spanish, I kind of know. And she's like, "Oh no, oh no." Yeah, it was just it was <laughs> the night was just insane. And then oh it ended God. with Omar, our Uber driver, who we must have been his last mm-hmm. shift because he was going a hundred miles per hour. Oh wait, I'm ready to be done with these drunk ass people jumping the curves. <laughs> Imagine all of the rides he had that day. Oh. How drunk they must have all been. Well, we were told, we were like, hello, Omar. We love your Highlander. This is fabulous. And we just, is that how you thought you sounded? Probably. <laughs> it's like, rerun the tape, Omar. Let's see what happened. It was such an interesting night. So we're just curious. And then, of course, you know, my husband gets a text this morning. So we were like, what angle do we think, does this employee going to go here? Like, is he going to go with, I'm so sorry. I don't normally mm-hmm. act like this. Or is he going to go with, I don't remember anything. Flip a coin. And this morning he he got, my husband got a text and said, so how bad did I embarrass myself last night? And I'm like, because they ended up like the owner and the guy's boss ended up putting him in an Uber and sending him home. And he left his nice Carhartt jacket there. Oh. To which when we were leaving... And I asked my husband, hopefully he does not listen to this. We're leaving and we're all drunk. We're like, man, I don't want to carry that all night. <laughs> what? If, but then I'm going to feel guilty that we left his jacket here. <laughs> so we're walking down the way and the guy who got chosen to carry the jacket, he's like, I'm going to feel so bad about this. But and he just throws it in the trash. <laughs> And well, I'm holding a bottle of wine that we we won. Uh And so we get to Boudreaux and Thibodeau's and we're like, look, I know I can't bring this in. And the security guard's like, look, I got a locker right here. You want to stick it in the locker? And I'm like, y'all, we could have brought his jacket. That poor kid ain't going to have a jacket after he gets fired for slapping the PA on the butt. I was going to say, that's what you get for sexual harassment. At the Christmas party. (laughs) The Christmas party. Like, come on, man. Well, okay. So honestly... You almost had to expect it to be a shit show because you're having the Christmas party during Mardi Gras season in Louisiana. Yeah. The drunkenness is to be expected. Maybe so. I Plus don't know. Open, I pl- you was... mix that in with an open bar? Oh, girl. girl. And it was top shelf stuff. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. How could you not take advantage of that? Yeah. And so I had stupidly promised Sarah that we would record at 9 a.m. this morning. <laughs> and I'm texting. I'm like, that's not going to happen. Sorry. Which was, great with, was fine with me because my parents wanted to leave super early for the parade. So <laughs> I was like, that's Gives me more time to like wake up and get ready. So (laughs) it's been an eventful weekend. And I'm off on Tuesday. So I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Are you off tomorrow? No. I'm like, why? LSU, why? Let me off on Monday. They're not off on Tuesday? No, the students are. No, we're off Tuesday. Oh, I mean, they're off Monday though? Uh uh. No, we had to give up certain holidays so we can get that 
almost 10 days off oh yeah at the end of the year at christmas time so okay well i guess i guess we'll I let guess that one slide <laughs> okay y'all so in honor was there anything else you wanted to add to this just that i'm a little paraded out yeah we did spanish town which was so much fun it is but i get tired of ducking and weaving things getting thrown at my head well so i'm not usually a parade person mm-hmm. but i really wanted to do a parade this year and Spanish Town is the biggest local parade. Mm-hmm. And normally the reason I don't like to do parades is because I don't like being in a group of people drinking and then not have access to a clean, safe bathroom. Right. But yeah. I found that the Capitol State Museum, they were doing a Spanish Town parade party. So we bought tickets to that and oh, that gave us access right, to, to like clean their bathrooms. bathrooms their food, their drinks, all that kind of stuff. And we had parade frontage. So we were like, yeah. and it was the start of the parade. So me and Hope and Jeff and Kelly were towing wagons and yeah. kids and everything. And we just, we had a blast. It was fun. That reminded me last night when we were walking to the bar, Derek decided to go use one of the porter potties mm-hmm. and he came out and he was like, that's the most frightened I've ever been in my life. I can like, only imagine. When he I mean, walked in there, is, I'm like, don't touch me ever that's again. That's brave to even attempt to walk in. Yeah. But yeah, no, the, the museum had like bathrooms and everything and like what? activities for kids. So we were like, this is where That's we need awesome. to be. So yeah, if we ever want to do Spanish Town with children, like that, that was a great place Maybe to next go. next year for sure. Because our kids ha- were with their other parents this yeah, weekend. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's still a little risque. Did you get any cool stuff? Like, did you get anything cool thrown to you? Or was yeah, it just the stained no. beads? We got a lot of stuff. Liv got a flamingo hat. I got a couple bottles of Fireball. <laughs> and what? Okay. Do you know the the um history with the pink? Because I know they I were don't. asking, why is everybody in pink? And I'm like, well, I know it's like the flamingos. I'm not sure what the. Okay, that Google that it. was the standard answer was, well, you know, LSU puts the pink flamingos out. But yeah, like, but I'm pretty sure they do that because of Spanish Town. Yeah, I'm, I, I really don't know. It's just known Spanish. that pink is like the color of Spanish Town. Yeah, now I'll I need have to, to Google know. that. So yeah. while Sarah looks that up, I'll tell y'all this week. Our our episode this week is going to be about Donna Bowley. We, my references, I actually have two references because the actual show that I watched was like 21 minutes long and it really didn't give a whole lot of detail but I found a website that Donna had created it is a very old website you can look it up and I mean it is super old but it was probably super shabby chic in the day when she set it up but so we're doing who the bleep did I marry season three episode one love sick and then you can check out her um website it's donna.earth2net no I'm sorry donna.earth2.net's slash index dot php <laughs> question mark subject equal story okay <laughs> i just copy and paste it i will put it in the show notes y'all are welcome to click on it and go read if you want to read but i'm about to sum up like exactly what happened so sarah what did you find okay. out about our pink flamingos so, pink flamingos okay so spanish town started in around like the 80s mm-hmm. um and it was apparently really small but when the parade started the residents of spanish town just took decorations from their yards <laughs> which were the pink flamingos. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, and they were just pulling down, yeah, they were just pulling their wagons down Spanish town and it so kind of stuck. Pink, pink and black kind of became Yeah. The- if you never walked down the actual road of Spanish Town, we used to, when I worked, I work at LSU now, but when I worked downtown, we would walk to Spanish Town mm-hmm. Market because they had really good food. Yeah. It is the cutest, like the actual houses. There, it's, the, it's such it's a cute area. Actual Spanish Town. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's a predominantly gay area, which yeah. explains why the decor is so awesome. Yeah. It's just, it's a very, it's, it's just very cute. cute. Yeah. yeah. And it's really funny because their mantra, it says, is poor taste is better than no taste at all. But it's cute. <laughs> like the so pink cute. flamingos 
what an awesome I know. It's yeah. so random, but I so love it. If you're ever in Louisiana, go walk down actual Spanish town. Yeah, it's right by the uh, I mean, the capital. During the day, of yeah, course. Yeah, during the yeah. day, please. It, yeah, but and go eat at Spanish Town Market because mm-hmm. the food's really good. There may be some creepy looking people standing outside. It's cool, just walk in. Uh because every time I went down there, I, I would get kind of scared. Mm-hmm. But the food was worth it. So it's <laughs> so worth it. I risk. Get on boy. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Donna Offill was born in St. Louis, Missouri on June 22nd, 1952. She had a picturesque childhood, which was shaken up a bit when her father's job had the family transferred from Missouri to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the move forced the very introverted Donna to change schools in the ninth grade. And then in the 10th grade, she went there, and then they moved back to Missouri, which was great for her. But she is this four foot ten inch tall little bitty thing very quiet and, you know in the in, in the 70s it was all about getting married young like mm-hmm. my parents were 19 and 20 that's not so much today but that I right. mean that was part of the culture back then in 1970 Donna graduated from Bayless High School and she was really excited about the next chapter in her life. She knew she wanted to be a school teacher and she was planning on going to college, but she was a little dismayed because like she had never dated. Like all of her friends were getting married and she just thought, man, when is that going to happen to me? So in the fall of 1970, she's starting in her freshman year in college. She goes to a party. She is at Southeast Missouri University in Cape Girardo, Girardo, Missouri. I don't know how you say that. Like I said, she majored in elementary education. She meets at a party this guy named Jim Bowley and she both on her website and in the show she's like he was just so handsome he had these hazel eyes and this brown wavy hair it was just love at first sight for me well this is during the Christmas break and they exchange phone numbers landlines of course of course and while they're on their break they call each other I mean it's every day he's also an education major so they just have a lot to talk about he's very easy to talk to she just instantly finds a connection she feels comfortable around him when they come back from their break they are completely inseparable So Jim was two years older than Donna. By 1971, so November, so this is a year later, the fall of 1971, the two become engaged. And in July of 1972, they get married and they honeymoon in the Poconos. You notice how like, like back in the day, getting married in July was like a big thing. Like mm-hmm. my parents got married in July. Like I wouldn't get married in July. It's like hot as balls outside. My, kid, um, my parents were married in August. Yeah. That's it's like you are hell. melting yes. outside. It must have not been as hot back then. I don't know. Like, <laughs> or maybe you're thinking about like going on your, your honeymoon somewhere I guess. Caribbean, maybe. I don't know. It ain't worth it to me. Mm-hmm. Sweating in that dress. Nope. At first, Donna drops out of school because she wants to get a job so they can get a place. They settle down in Sykeston, Missouri, and Jim got a job as a teacher. But Donna was just too compelled to finish school. I mean, mm-hmm. she had already gone halfway through. She needed to finish. She wasn't going to make any money not finishing school. So she went back to school and graduated and she landed her first teaching job in 1975. And this was around the same time that Jim decided he wanted to get his master's and become a school counselor. One year into her career, they have a son. His name was Stephen. And that was in 1976. And three years later, in 1979, they have their second son, Christopher. And while Donna was very grateful because she had gotten everything she had ever dreamed of she also felt really overwhelmed because you know she had the the same complaint all us moms complain about we're expected to work Mm full-time and we're expected to cook and clean and not that we do (laughs) but you know she had all these duties that she was really stressed out about and she expressed these feelings to Jim and he said well hey I can help so he took up 
a lot of the duties, which included all of the cooking, mm-hmm. which she was like, man, that helps because I hate cooking anyway. I feel you, girl. Same. So Jim and Donna, you know, they find their stride. Like life is just great. You know, he graduates from college. He starts working at his at the school that he was uh, in as a counselor. But he gets offered a much more lucrative job as a counselor in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So he accepts the job. And they have 10 days to pack up their little apartment and move to St. Louis. 10 days? 10 days. Wow. And she was so happy because her parents lived in St. Louis. I mean, this oh, was perfect. that's great. Yeah. So it worked out great. She was able to secure a job teaching. It wasn't hard for her. And by 1989, they had bought their first house. Jim's new job brought with it a lot more money, but also it brought with him a lot of like being away from the home a lot because... Mm-hmm. He would coach. He just would volunteer for a lot of stuff. And they did see the money for it. I mean, yeah. like they were able to live a really gr- good life. And Donna said that it didn't really affect their marriage. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was okay with him having to travel and stuff. But Donna's perfect life was about to come crashing down, as it always does in these episodes. So it seemingly started in August of 1991 when Donna started experiencing extreme like stomach cramps and flu-like symptoms. Mm -hmm. So she went to her doctor and he couldn't figure it out after running some tests. He referred her to a GI doctor. The GI doctor really couldn't figure it out, but he said, you know, we've got this new thing called IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what you have. So she was prescribed medicine, but it just, it didn't work. She continued to have these symptoms and these this pain in her stomach and throwing up and diarrhea. And it was to the point where like she was having trouble going to work. At the same time, she noticed that her husband, Jim, who turned 40, was getting quite frisky. You know, he he grew his hair longer. Um, He bought some colorful underwear. <laughs> um, He bought a sports car. And she uh, was uh. like, she was like, you know, I thought it was a midlife crisis, but I wasn't complaining. <laughs> I reaped the benefits of it. I'd be just excited if my husband would like wear underwear that didn't have holes in it. That's so so funny. Like if he wore, <laughs> he's got these one pair of underwear that I bought for him, <laughs> and they don't fit him. He, it looks like he he looks like he's like about to go on a bike trek. You know, like the tight bike shorts. <laughs> yeah. He wears them and they look like bike shorts. But I think he wears them because I bought them for him. Aww. But they're way too small. They're way too small. So every time he wears them, I'm like, where are you biking to? And he's like, shut up. They're comfortable. Anyway. So back to our story. But, you know, she kind of enjoyed his little friskiness. Mm -hmm. Um, But her mysterious illness just continued. And Jim, being the doting husband that he was, like, he took care of her, especially making sure he prepared. He didn't just cook her meals. He prepared it for her and brought it to her. By the summer of 1992, Donna's symptoms became unbearable. One of the doctors she um, sought help from was her gynecologist. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's tried everybody else. Yeah. And they saw, they did like a um, an ultrasound and they did see a, a cyst on her ovary. And they were like, we don't necessarily know if it's the cause of it, but we don't not know. Which that's a du- double word. We do not not know. What? We don't know, not know. Okay. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know if it is. We don't know if it isn't. Okay. Sorry. But could this be the culprit? Maybe so. So they decide to schedule surgery to have the cyst removed. But days, and I mean, she's supposed to have the surgery on Thursday. And Mm -hmm. on Monday, she wakes up and she has a fever of 105. (gasps) 
Oh no. Her husband seizure fever kind of thing. Terrible. Like her husband rushes her to the hospital. When she gets in there, she loses consciousness and they have to pack her with ice to get her fever to come back down. And she says, you know, I'll wake up and like two days of my life is just gone. They decide that, you know, maybe surgery is still a viable option. So once she recovers from this, they go ahead and they they end up doing like a hysterectomy, but they keep one of her ovaries. So they remove Okay. They remove Aww. her uterus and then the ovary with the cyst. They go ahead and just oh remove it gosh. all. Girl, it's fine. She says she ain't having no more kids. Okay. She's done. All done. Did she have kids? <laughs> she had the two boys. Okay. Remember? Okay. Yeah. So once she recovered from this, they go ahead and they do the operation. The surgery was going fine until something in Donna's body reacted strange to the anesthetic and she ended up on life support for <gasps> 10 days. What? She survived the ordeal and she went home weighing 80 pounds tiny oh my gosh yeah over the next few months though donna miraculously just started making a full recovery just feeling great and she just found this new hope for a pain-free future like Mm -hmm. maybe i had some sort of infection in my body that i just didn't know about but it wasn't to be so in Mm -hmm. august of 1993 the pain and the flu-like symptoms came back more specialists got involved along with pretty painful tests. So like one of those tests was a bone marrow test. Ooh, I mean, that is brutal. Yeah, that one is not fun. She didn't necessarily meet all of the criteria for lupus, but mm. she got a diagnosis of it because it was like close enough. Right. So she was prescribed medication to, um, you know, to, to deal with the lupus, but this medication did nothing for the pain that she was feeling. So in the midst of all of this, she gets a phone call from an anonymous woman that tells her your husband is like running around on you. And she's <gasps> like, bitch, prove it. You know, it's like, what are you what? talking about? She said, look, I need you to, there's a number because I don't know how dating sites worked back then, but apparently she tells her, call this number. It's a telephone dating site and you can listen to a message and wait until you hear what the message was that he had. It's, it's the name of our show today. So Donna calls and it's clearly Jim's voice Mm -hmm. and he describes himself as an ivory man. Ivory ivory man. (laughs) He is an ivory man looking for an (laughs) ebony woman. Oh, (laughs) yeah. And she's just like, what the? F-? She's like, what? So, what does she do? And like, they say this so seriously, but I just busted out laughing. She's like, I called my mom. Yeah. As we all would. Yes, I called my mama. So when he got home, and this is where I don't have the patience for this. If I found something out like this, I'd show up at Derek's work. Mm-hmm. Oh like, my god! Knock it yes, off the window. Like, yes. Come here. <laughs> Up in Exxon, they'd be like, there's a crazy woman. Scaling, Security. Security. Scaling the fences. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Donna confronts Jim once he comes home. And he basically tells her. I mean, it's kind of, okay, it's plausible. He says he has a co-worker with a speech impairment. And he didn't want to like get on there stuttering that he w- w- wants an I- ivory woman. Oh my God. Because he just didn't think he would. And I'm not making fun of people with speech impediments because that is not what I mean at all. But like you throwing your coworker with a speech yeah. impediment under the bus for this, oh Jim. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So he supposedly, you know, he did this for his speech impaired coworker, mm-hmm. but he for promised him. he would never cheat on her. Especially not when she's in this condition. Mm -hmm. And he for sure promised he, you know, he would take the message down. And Donna's just like, look, I had bigger things to deal with. Like when you're in that much pain, I don't really care that I have a philandering husband. I'm Mm -hmm. just, 
I just want to go lay down and take a nap, you know? Oh, bless her heart. Yeah. So her severe, her illness had become so severe that she could no longer stand up and teach. The school oh, actually no. said, you have to go home because they'd come in and she was like laying on, she would give her students like worksheets uh-huh. and she would be laying on the desk, like her head down. Cause oh, she was no. just, I mean, yeah. you know, we've all had the flu before. Yeah. I mean, that would be horrible. You know, the lupus medication wasn't working and the hope of a pain-free future just like sent Donna into this like hamster wheel of just depression and she's just at the depths of her despair and she's sitting at the kitchen table one day and Jim makes her a glass of milk and she noticed that there's like a pink residue swirling in the opaque glass Uh oh! and she's like Jim why is like what's pink in the milk and he's like oh that's because I bought the discounted milk <laughs> he didn't think to say like oh I put some pink Ovaltine in there yeah and he just like that's because it's discounted milk and oh my she, gosh she's like I just didn't have the strength to like argue with him but she's like i knew it was bullshit she's like something just wasn't right it's september of 1993 and donna is having a particularly bad flare-up this one though just seems different she wakes up she's like man i can't i can't i can barely get out of bed and she tells jim like jim we have to go to the hospital like this is not something's wrong i can feel it and he tells her no let me give you your lupus meds let them kick in and you'll be fine and she's like no so she manages to like get a phone and call her mom mm-hmm. and her mom tells him either you bring her to the hospital or i'm coming over there to get it to get her so the threat worked mm-hmm. he brings her to the hospital and when she gets to the hospital she goes into a fit of seizures like she is seizing um her heart Heart stops five to seven <gasps> times. And when she wakes up, she is paralyzed basically from her nose down. <gasps> her prognosis is just absolutely devastating. I mean, she's just thinking like, I'm about to die. Oh my gosh. Well, her luck is about to change because as she was taken away to go do some more testing, I think she had to have an MRI. Uh-huh. The charge nurse went back to her room to grab her chart and she walks in and she hears the husband, Jim, on the phone. And she kind of makes herself small so that she doesn't interrupt his conversation. But she's like, it's just weird because he's just having this sexually explicit conversation with someone. Uh And she thought, what an asshole. Like your wife is, is dying and you're talking like this. And she hears what sounds like someone ask him a question. And all she heard was the word arsenic. (gasps) And she just lost herself. So she kind of backs out very slowly. Mm Mm-hmm. And she kind of does a little research of her own. And she's like, if he is poisoning her at arsenic, that explains all of this. Yeah. Oh, my God. Arsenic can be found in pesticides. Uh And it causes, I mean, I guess it's like, but basically it just breaks down your body. It's what Uh over time. It's not something that happens immediately. Like anti, it's an antifreeze. Ethylene glycol. I guess it's the ethylene glycol, but it's the, I mean, basically it it is antifreeze is what people Uh put in the drinks. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it has a similar, it has a similar. Isn't it reaction. sweet? Yeah. Like you, they put it in, say, like Sprite or something. Yeah. I just you remember, or Gatorade or I remember something. Them you can't. saying that you had to be careful with your pets because they would lick it because it was sweet. Right. And they, it's, it's, it's not, it, it's tasteless. Yeah. It's not something that, and it'll kill you over time. The nurse tells her supervisor and the supervisor's like, look, are you sure this is what you heard? Because if you're wrong, you know, you could lose your license. He could sue you. I mean, this is a big deal. And she said, yes. She said, just check for arsenic. So Mm -hmm. she told the doctors and the doctors immediately moved Donna to a secure place in the hospital. And no one is allowed to go in there outside of a doctor Mm -hmm. and a nurse. And what they do is they test it through her hair. Now, when she had gone before into the hospital, they did test her for its heavy metal testing. Mm -hmm. But 
most tests are not like you have to be specific about what you're looking for. If you don't really know what you're looking for, you're not going to because these things right. show up differently. Right. So this time they specifically tested for arsenic. And what they found was she had seven to ten times higher level than usual. Holy moly. In her system. And that's what it was like. He was poisoning her. Oh, my God. So the police are called and they come in. And she is able to communicate with the police and they tell her what they find. And they're mm-hmm. like, look, either you're trying to kill yourself or someone's trying to kill you. But this is not something that you could have absorbed through the skin or mm-hmm. this is something that was deliberately given to you. And that's when through tears, because she's heartbroken, because she loves this well, man. Yeah. She tells him about the milk. Like she's like, he put something in that milk. I know he did. And this was just a couple of days ago. So they bring Jim to the station and they interrogate him. And at first he just completely denies everything. But they conduct a full investigation into Jim and they discover that he basically is just leading a double life. (gasps) Now, mind you, this is a school counselor. Yeah. He has multiple cell phones. Uh, He's got hidden cash. He has hotel stays under assumed names. All of it when she's in the hospital. Oh, my God. Or when she's really sick. He He's on multiple dating sites. And he took out $600,000 in life insurance. On <gasps> oh, what? Yes. So Jeez. they confront him with all of this. Mm-hmm. And like, we know you're poisoning her. And he breaks down and he says, yes, I've been poisoning her. But... It's because I want her to stay home with me and spend quality time with me. That's all he says. Okay. And they're like, okay, well, you just admitted it. We don't care what your reasons are for. But the truth is he was running around on her. Of course he was. Yeah. He was having an affair and he wanted her life insurance. Mm -hmm. He wanted her to die and be the sad widow. Yes. Oh my God. Right. And there were no women that were like brought forward to say. What a troll. I swear. But I'm like, who was on the phone that said arsenic? Because obviously they're involved. Because they knew. I couldn't find anything. I really like. Googled for five whole minutes. Yeah. Maybe three minutes. <laughs> maybe minutes. three minutes. Yeah. But I couldn't find anything about like who was he on the phone with that? He yeah. said arsenic on. Um, so Jim was arrested on October 10th, 1995, and he was charged with first degree assault and armed criminal action. His trial started January of 1995, and the star witness was Donna. And mm-hmm. she's like, I'm going to show that mother effer mm-hmm. that he did not kill me. <laughs> um, she had actually gone, I mean, through ex- she had to go through extensive physical therapy and I mean, occupational therapy. I guess so. Yeah, she was paralyzed. She was being paralyzed. She had to learn how down. to speak again. And even um, her son is on the show, and he says, like, her motor skills. And you can tell in her hands. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have those fine motor skills right. in her hands. that she had before but she testified everything that she knew and he was found guilty and on february 1st 1995 and received two consecutive life sentences and of course he showed no remorse Mm -hmm. you know he's not like i'm sorry that i did all this to you so she divorced his ass good for her and she went on and she found her another man Good. And as of the recording of this, um, again, I couldn't find anything like up through 2023. I'm sure some really hard digging might would come up with something, <laughs> but I'm not that good at that. She, but in 2012 was when this was mm-hmm. uh, filmed. She had been married for 11 years. So mm-hmm. she just moved right on along okay. with her life. And good she said, she said, I cook my own meals now. <laughs> um, she went back to teaching, which she hasn't had any yeah. issues. She's a motivational speaker. And she's happy. That's the biggest thing. Oh, Her sons good. cut off their relationships with his with their dad. Because obviously this man is a total 
psychopath. Yeah. What a creeper. Oh, yeah, man. I well, know. I'm glad she got away. I'm glad she has a happy ending now. Can you imagine if that nurse never... I know. I mean, like, that is God. If you that don't is, believe yeah. in a higher power... Absolutely. I'm telling you, there's been some angels kicking for months, <laughs> and they were like, oh, grab her and tell her to go <laughs> kick the chart so she's got to go dig for it somewhere. <laughs> that would be me. Okay, so that is the end of that story. We will continue our Who the Bleep Did I Marry marathon next week to yeah. celebrate Valentine's Day. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so let's do our Golden Girl Minute or two. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Uh, so this is season one, episode four. It's called Transplant. Not as not one of my favorites because it's like kind of serious, but it has mm-hmm. some good moments. So Blanche is like running around and just complaining that her house is a mess. And um, she's like, you know. I, I should have got Nancy Reagan's decorator to come decorate my house. <laughs> I should have done it. That would have, that would have impressed her. And Rose is like, imp- like, why do you want to impress your sister? I thought you hated her. She's like, I do hate her. <laughs> That's why. And everything needs to look perfect. <laughs> yes. And Rose is like, how can someone like hate their sister? She's like, maybe it's just a Southern thing. And I don't agree with you, Blanche. She says, no, sleeping with your brother is a Southern thing. Oh, oh. No, it's no. not. No. That is not true. No, ma'am. Not in our South. Okay. <laughs> so Sophia comes in and she's spraying the house with air freshener. And Rose asked Sophia if she hated her sister. Would you invite her over if you hated her? And Sophia says, I would put Vaseline on the tips of her walker <laughs> if I hated my sister. And in episodes moving forward uh she does hate her sister we find out i mean it's a love-hate relationship so dorothy comes in and she's holding a baby and blanche just freaks out she's like what is that (laughs) and dorothy's like it's a flounder (laughs) it's a baby ding dong so dorothy just explains that their neighbor ted was um he got an injury in a water skiing accident and his wife lucy was bringing him to the hospital so danny needed a babysitter and so Blanche is just beside herself because she's like, babies make messes. <laughs> and Dorothy's like, in diapers. Mm-hmm. But I have to go with Blanche on this one. Mm-hmm. Babies destroy everything. Everything. Was well, it a baby baby or like a mobile baby? Um. Well, it, when you see the baby on the camera, it's definitely a mobile baby. Oh, okay. Yeah. But they're just carrying around. So I'm sure they had like a baby doll the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um. But I have to go. One-year-olds are a disaster oh, God, all the time. Yes. Yeah. Hot mess. So Blanche explains that once her younger sister, Virginia, was born, that she just ceased to exist. And she always got Blanche into trouble. And one time, it was the day before Christmas, and Virginia jiggled the tree and the star fell over and broke. And she told Blanche to pick it up and put it on her finger. And when she did, Virginia plugged the star in. And this caused Blanche to do this wobbly dance and her eyes bulged out. But the worst part is that she used to have corkscrew curls and now her hair is totally (laughs) straight. straight. (laughs) Yes. And then what's even worse is Virginia went back and told Big Daddy that Blanche did it and she got sent to her room for the rest of the day. And her daddy told her that Jesus was mad at her. Oh, goodness. Uh Yeah. Poor Blanche. So we jump to Virginia and Blanche. They just had lunch on the lanai. And you just hear them like passive aggressively, but like freaking hilariously going back and forth. Virginia is like trying to legitimately compliment Blanche. But Blanche is just like, 
So I see you lost some weight. You know, when people become our age, you know, their skin just like hangs there when they lose weight. Just looks like a, a willow tree, but not to wave goodbye. <laughs> <A willow> tree. <laughs> yeah. And the two just start barking at each other. And Virginia's like, stop. I don't want to do this. We've done this our whole lives. Can we please grow up? And then Blanche goes, so you thinking about getting a facelift for that turkey waddle? <laughs> I wish I could meet two older women that are just talk to each other like this. That's so funny. So meanwhile, um, Blanche told the girls that they had to take that baby in someone's room. Mm -hmm. So they're in the room and Danny's crying and Rose is like, oh, it's colic. He needs brandy. You know? Yeah. And Dorothy's like, no, you put brandy on their teeth when they're teething. And she said, oh, I thought you put it in their bottles. Uh Uh-oh. She's like, it doesn't matter. I always had happy babies. (laughs) So the girls discuss how much, you know, baby items have changed. Like all these disposable, disposable bottles. I'm like, if you could only see it today. I know. But Sophia says she didn't have to worry about that because they all three of her kids nurse and like Phil, her son nursed till he was 12. Oh, oh, it just became a problem when he had when he started wanted to like to come home on school for lunch. Oh, my and she goodness. said, OK, we got to stop this. So in walks Blanche, who announces she has to have dinner with Virginia the next night. And everyone, including Blanche, says Virginia was very charming. And Blanche is like, I wonder what the little witch wants. Mm-hmm. She don't come here for no reason. So the next night, Blanche and Virginia are out to dinner and Virginia like toasts and says, here's to a new relationship between sisters. And Blanche is just like, that's so sweet. What do you want? (laughs) So Virginia demands to know why Blanche hates her. And this is where we kind of find out where the animosity comes. Blanche says it was over Tom. Tom was Virginia's husband. So apparently Blanche and Tom went on two dates. Uh Blanche supposedly really liked him, but no one Blanche, probably not. Right. She went, she had to go out of town to Aunt Augusta's house. And when she came back, um, she, Virginia and Tom had gotten together. Uh-oh. And that really made her angry because she loved that boy after two dates. <laughs> after two dates. And Virginia made her stand in her wedding wearing the worst color on her, green. <laughs> so she, I just look like a frog. <laughs> so Virginia tells Blanche, she's like, would it make you feel better to know that Tom fooled around on me? And she's like, well, it serves you right. No. <laughs> What goes around comes around. And that's when Virginia says, well, I guess I must have done something really bad. And she's like, what do you mean? And she's like, it's why I'm here. And Blanche goes, well, I knew there was a reason why you were here. And she says, well, I'm dying. And it just cuts away. So you're like, okay, what happened? So we go back to Dorothy and Sophia and um, Sophia's eating Fritos and crunching loudly. And Dorothy's like, can you crunch quietly, please? And Sophia goes, these are Fritos. You want me to swallow them whole? I'm going to use that next time I'm crunching on ice. Um, So neighbor Ted had to have a minor surgery. So they still have baby Danny. So Blanche comes in and she tells the girls that Virginia is dying. And the only way to save her is for her to get one of Blanche's kidneys. Mm -hmm. Um, Rose is like, why does she need a kidney? (laughs) And (laughs) Dorothy's like, to feed the cat. (laughs) You idiot. So the midnight topic over cheesecake that night is is about the whole situation. And so Blanche doesn't know what she's going to do. Sophia says she wishes she could give her her kidney so that she could wake up all night. Rose says she wishes she could give she could have given her kidney to her dog Fluffy. Um, 
he was always loyal, kind, and always there for her. To which Dorothy says, well, if my ex-husband had been like that, we'd still be married. And that's when Sophia's like, yeah, because you could have got him neutered. <laughs> so all the women agree that they wouldn't think twice if it was for their children. But this one's a conundrum. Mm-hmm. Of course, Blanche agrees to give her her kidney. And we learn that they have another sister, Charmaine. But she can't donate her kidney because it's attached to each other. So she has like one big kidney and they can't oh. separate them. And they're like, it's just like Charmaine. She can never help us, you know, she had a tipped <laughs> uterus or a spastic colon. <laughs> so the girls return Danny to Ted and Lucy. And that, that storyline just kind of ends. They're excited because they'll get to watch him again in a few weeks. But Blanche comes home from seemingly from the operation. They're like, what are you doing here? And she's like, well, her her vessels were too small and wouldn't fit. She's like, that's because I'm too petite for her. Oh my but she did get a kidney from a Mormon school teacher. And which like the most exciting thing that I'd ever seen was Ovaltine. <laughs> yeah, it was showroom new. So the best part was that her and Virginia had this wonderful new relationship. And that is how your minute or two Golden Girls ends. Oh. That was a little bit more serious on that one. It was. They have a couple episodes every now and then that are just like, oh, that one kind of grabbed me. You know, even in their serious ones, they still have like those zingers that are still funny, oh, you know? God, yeah. Yeah. So go watch season four, oh, no, season one, episode four. Obviously, next week we will cover season one, episode five. So go watch it ahead of time. Um, I did start reading the book. Oh, yeah. House in the Pines. I'm in like chapter four. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Really? And it's a great read. Like, I mean, you know, you read something. I mean, it's not like reading, you know, Jane Austen and you're like, what are they talking about? <laughs> like, I tried to be one of those intellectuals that like started reading Jane Austen mm-hmm. books and I, I gave up. You gave up. <laughs> yeah. I have Audible uh-huh. and I really like Audible, but sometimes I just miss like having a book in my hand. Yeah. Um, And so I pretty much like right now I'm, I'm doing, um, <laughs> I have on there the Lord of the Rings because like every time I start to try and read the Lord of the Rings, Those I just are some thick books. How many hours is it on Audible? I don't know. Let me see. Hold on, I could tell you because with Audible, I mean with the Lord of the Rings, it, there's just it's like it's just so much detail. Yeah, and my brain just wants to like skip the detail, but it's like no, it's here for a reason. Yeah. I did finish um, the first CB Strike book, like J.K. Rowling, uh-huh. Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She writes under the name Robert Galbraith, and she has mm-hmm. this entire series called CB Strike. It's a um, he's a private investigator, and he solves murders that like the police can't solve. Mm-hmm. And they have a sh- it's on HBO Max, but they have a show oh. for it. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna read, and they do it based off of her book. So like three episodes is like one of her books. Oh. And I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna read the book because I'd rather read it first. Or I'll listen to it on Audible while I'm at work. And then I'll watch the show. And then, of course, I'm not patient at all. Mm-hmm. I've, like, watched all of them. <laughs> so I know exactly what happens. Let's see. Um, well, this is just the Fellowship of the Rings. So okay. this breaks it down. So the Fellowship of the Rings is almost 19 hours. Holy moly. And, you know, somebody sat there and read that. Every time I listen, I'm like, somebody sat here and read this. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how long it took them. To get the 19 hours. I don't know. That would be... Well, we, we know that. at least 19 hours. I don't, I yeah. don't have that kind of patience. Oh, my Lord. So, that's what's going on with us. Uh, Sarah, you got anything going on? No, I don't have a murder minute um, this week because that's I okay. had too many Mardi Gras you, minutes. You had Mardi Gras minute. <laughs> so. And hit you, uh, you you had put on Facebook, you said that yeah. it's been a long day. Yeah. That, long two days. Is Cousin Parade. Amber going to stay here 
for a while? She's here for a couple days. Okay, yeah. I mean, she can't stay here until the wedding. That's like two weeks. Yeah, that's two weeks. Yeah. So, no, she's going back home, I believe. Okay. I think she's here for two days, and her and Uncle Dale are building something. Oh, well. I don't know what, but... Okay. All right, y'all. Well, thank you for joining us, and we will see y'all next Monday. Bye, guys. <laughs>